Psalms, and we're going back there uh, this evening. Last week we uh, finished up with verse number seven, where uh, David makes a a uh, profound statement uh, to the Lord, considering the fact that he's running and uh, Absalom's rebellion is growing and. Uh, appears to be gaining momentum and but David told the Lord in his prayer but as for me I will come into your house and the multitude of your mercy aren't you glad for the mercy of God Amen. oh without God's mercy where in the world would any of us be today he said it's in the multitude of your mercy that I will come to your house and and in thy fear will I worship toward thy holy temple. Or that fear is that reverence, that awe. That awe and the reverence of God that we should never, ever, 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 ever lose. Praise God. Amen. Amen. The things of God and, and the, the highway of holiness. Uh, should never, ever become common to us. Right. We should always have that healthy respect for, uh, for God and the, 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 the Spirit, the presence of God and, and the things of the Lord. We need that healthy, healthy respect and awe. Amen. And then David uh, comes down and David having reminded himself of God's displeasure with the wicked through his communication with God in prayer. He further prays for God to keep him from the way of the wicked by leading him into God's own righteousness. So just as in the opening prayer of this context, David addresses God by name. Amen. Aren't you glad you know His name today? What's His name? Jesus. His name is not Father. His name is not Son. And His name is not Holy Ghost. His name is Jesus. Amen. Jesus is the mighty God in Christ. And so David, uh, David addresses God by name. I, I don't know, uh, you know, how you pray and we're, you know, this, and this series is really on the subject of prayer. And it's not just for the benefit of knowing and understanding that in David's crisis, he prayed. Uh, but there, there is tremendous application to uh, the people of God today in, in seeing how David prayed, how he approached God, and in, indeed even the content uh, of his prayer. And um, uh, there are times that I pray the, you know, according to the Lord's Prayer. Uh, in Matthew, uh, but I don't repeat the words, our Father which are in heaven, hallowed be thy name. I exalt him as the Father. I address him as my Father in heaven because he is my Father in heaven. But then when I get to his name and I start, I start doing like David, I, I start repeating the attributes of his name. Uh, you know, to the Lord in prayer. His name is holy. His name is hallowed. His name is righteous. His name is mighty. His name is above every other name. Amen. Given under heaven, you know, whereby you must be saved. There, there's no other name like the name of Jesus. And, and I thank God when I pray and, and I bless His name and ask Him to help me to be a good ambassador or a good representative of His name in this world. I thank Him for the revelation of His name. Amen. 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 
I thank Him that I do not have to address Him, you know, by, by titles. I know His name today. And I can call Him by name. Amen. So in, in a world that has a multiplicity of gods, many of them who do not even know the names of those gods, we have one God and we know His name. Amen. Amen. Kind, of, kind of makes me feel like I've got the advantage, you know, or, or something, or, or, or got the privilege because I know the name of my God. Amen. Amen. And so... I heard one man uh, one time testifying, you know, when he came out of an, another evangelical group, uh, when he came into the, uh, when he received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And he was, he was sincere. He was not joking when he made this testimony. He, he was very sincere. And, uh, you know, he came from a, uh, a, a belief uh, that you know says that there are you know three gods, three persons, you know in one God, and uh, which I don't you you can't get three persons in one God, you know and and he you know he said when he prayed, he said when he when God revealed to him and helped him to understand that there's only one God and His name is Jesus. He said, you don't know what a relief that that was to me. He said, because when I prayed, he said, I was always afraid that I was going to leave one of the gods out. You know, if I prayed to the Father, I, I was afraid that if I didn't give equal time to the, the Son and the Spirit, you know, then, you know, that they would be mad. You know, or upset if I prayed more to the Son and I didn't give the Father and the Spirit equal time. You know, he said, I was always afraid. And he said, so, so you don't understand what a relief it was to me for God to reveal to me that there is only one God and His name is Jesus. So if I want to address the, the, the one true and living God, all I have to do is just speak the name Jesus and it's all covered. Amen. Amen. And, and I'm thankful that I know, I know his name. So David, again, David addresses God by name. And here again, uh, as we've already understood through the, the series, he was praying to be heard. David's intent was that God would hear him. And so, you know, look at, look at some of the words and that, that we have already discussed. You know, when he says, give ear unto my words. David was praying to be heard by God. So David desires the attention of God as his circumstances seem to be dire. So he prays to God for three major things. And and the rest of these of this uh, of this chapter, this chapter five, is the record of David praying for three major things when he addresses God, and and this prayer is good for anybody who is in trouble and who's. Future, according to your eyes, may seem to be bleak. This is a good prayer to pray for three major things here. And we're going to talk about these major things and probably just one of them this evening. Uh, but the first major thing that David prays for is for God's guidance. Because he said... Lead me, O Lord, in thy righteousness because of mine enemies. So the first major thing that David prays to God for is that God would guide him. That God would lead him. Now, we all understand that decisions are part of everyday life. 
Some are easier than others. And you make decisions on a daily basis many times even without a conscious thought. It's ingrained. It's ingrained. It doesn't require a conscious decision whether or not to brush your teeth in the morning. It's just something you do. Or, Or at least I hope you do. I don't know of anybody that gets up in the morning and says, well, I've, I've got a decision to make and I really don't know what to do at this point in time. Well, what's your decision that you're facing? Well, whether or not to brush my teeth. You know, if it's in my family, I'm going to say, if you can't make that decision, I'll make it for you. Go brush your teeth. Some, some things are, are just automatic. It, it's ingrained and, and you just do it. Nor, nor does it require a conscious decision of whether or not to go to work if you work. And if it's time for you to go to work, you just automatically, you just you, you get up and you start making preparation and I don't know anybody that's maintained a job for any length of time, you know, except for my wife, that can get up in the morning and say, well, I just, I got a decision to make and I just don't know if I'm going to decide to go to work or stay at home. Now she can do that. I can't. I don't have that kind of job. That there have been times that I'd, I'd get up and, you know, and I'd get ready and I'd go sit in, in the chair and, you know, start putting my boots on and sometimes I'll sit there for a minute. And, it's, and it's, it's almost like, I hate to get up from here, but I know I got to. You know, and if I keep, and, and it's not going to get better the longer that I sit here. So I might as well just get up and get on out the door and, you know, and, and get after it as, as the saying is. And, but sometimes she can get up in the morning and, you know, she can sit on the couch and sit on the couch and sit on the couch. And, you know, and I say, well, aren't you going to get ready for work? I don't, I don't know. I just, I hadn't decided whether I'm going to even go today or not. When she makes that statement, Brother Thomas... I walk out the door and I say, I'll see you here when I get back. Because I already know. You know, you, you say you're trying to decide, but in your mind, the decision's already been made. You're not going to make it today. And, and so, so there, there are some things that, you know, we just, we do. It's an integral part of your life and the decision is automatic. You, you get up in the morning and you do what's required to get to your place of employment. I kind of got a little joke, you know, with my mom, my, my grandmother, when, you know, even when she was in her 90s, get up every morning. My, my granny didn't lay in the bed. My granny told me that, you know, uh, you know, if you'll get up in the morning when you wake up and not just lay in the bed and if you'll get up when you wake up, she said, you'll feel better all day long than you would if you just laid in the bed and just laid around. You, if you'll get up and get to moving, you'll, you'll feel better. And I, I've seen my granny in, in her elder years get up in the, in the morning and start doing her exercise. She exercised every day. All kinds of exercise. She did it every day in the morning and... You know, and, and sometimes I call my mom and I, you know, and, and I, I can say, are you up this morning? Because I call her about a quarter after six. And, and I say, are you up this morning? She'd be like, yeah, I'm up. And I'm like, God knows you're lying. You're not up. I hear it in your voice. Well, I am now. <laughs> and sometimes I'll ask her if, if she says, Oh, yes, I've been up since 4.30. I've already got my shower, you know, and got my clothes on, brushed my teeth, and, and just fixing to sit down with a cup of coffee waiting on you to call. And, and I'll ask her, you got your jumping jacks done? 
Well, no, I don't, I don't know if I'm going to do those today. You know, I said, Granny, Granny said you'd feel better all day if you do jumping jacks, you know, and it, it never works because she never does them. But, but decisions, decisions are, are a part of everyday life. But listen, when, when you are facing overwhelming trouble, as David was, and when major decisions of life must be made, you need to consult God first. Amen. Amen. When, when you are facing overwhelming trouble or a major decision... Of life, you don't need to attempt to make that decision before you consult God. David is running for his life, and one of the first prayers that he prays is for guidance from God. How do I think, God? I need you to lead me. So, this prayer for God to lead him is motivated. By David's awareness that he's being watched. And those watchers are so hostile towards him that the term is rendered enemies. God, I need you to lead me in your righteousness because of my enemies. What's David saying here? They're watching me. They're observing me. They're plotting against me. And so I need your guidance. I need you to lead me. David did not want to make the wrong decision. Therefore, he asked God to lead him according to his righteousness. Now, let me stop right here and just and just say this before I go on to a sub point here. When when you're facing a a major problem or there's major crisis in, in your life and there are major decisions that must be made, don't think that the world does not observe what you're doing. Don't think the world around you don't don't know that, that you're in a crisis time or you've got a major decision to make and, and, they, and they watch and they see and they observe. Well, how are they going to handle this? How are they going to deal with this? What, what kind of decision are they going to make in this circumstance in their life? Can, can I tell you something? When, when the world is watching, you need to be asking God for direction. Amen. You need to ask God, lead me. Because there is a way, and we'll talk about that here momentarily. There is a way, there is a path, there is a direction that I need to go in this time of a major decision or a major crisis. There is a way that I need to go, but I need you to lead me in that way because I'm being observed. Does it make sense? So here's where we tend to make mistakes with decisions. We fail to ask God to lead us. No matter how old or mature one gets, you need the leadership of God. But you you know the problem with with the flesh? The flesh thinks we know more than God. The flesh thinks we got this thing figured out. And, And if I make a mistake, then God will just have to have mercy on me. 
I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you, I don't want to find myself in a, in a situation of life of saying, well, you know what, I'm going, I'm going to do this. And if it's a wrong thing to do, then I'll just fall on the mercy of God. You're being very presumptuous. Very presumptuous. That, that's, why, that's why prayer is so necessary in our lives. That's why prayer has got to be an integral part of your life in the kingdom of God on a daily basis. Amen? Amen? We, we, we can't do anything without God. It, it's in Him that we live and we move and we have our being. It's because of Him that we even exist. It's because of Him that we have health of this physical body and, and, and sound mind and, and, and pure hearts. It, it's because of Him. You can't do anything without the Lord. And if we really understood that and we really believed that I cannot do one thing without the help of God, then it blows my mind that we could, we could face major issues in our lives and we can act as if we have not consulted God about any of it. But David said the enemies are watching. I need your leadership because the enemies are watching. The enemies are observing. And, and, I, and, and, and let, me just, let me just throw this out as well. Because if we're not careful, we can be the cause of the Gentiles blaspheming the name of God. And God help us. If we stand before the Lord and it's revealed that because of what you did, then there were people who blasphemed my name, which would not have happened if you had just consulted me because I would have led you in the way that you needed to go. I, I find it amazing that in, in the time and in the age you know, that we live, it, it's so easy. It, it seems to be so easy for us to violate the command of God. And as if if I violate the, the, the command of God, His grace and mercy is going to pick me up. And, and, and again, that's a, that's a presumptuous spirit and, and an attitude because what the Word of God declares for us to do, God intended for us to do. Amen. And what the Word of God said not to do, it's not a suggestion, folks. The book that I read is not a book of suggestions that you can do if you want to do. And if you don't want to do it, it it's okay because God's mercy and His grace is always available. And I'm thankful His mercy and grace is always available. But let me tell you, for the body of Christ, that mercy and grace is available when I'm doing everything that I know to do. And I still, I still come short of the glory of God. I don't find where he said that mercy and that grace is available so much to me if I'm in willful disobedience to the commands of God. But see, we've been taught that. We've heard others say this. We, we've listened to other people, you know, that uh, under the guise of they're, they're, they're good people. You know, they got, they got a good heart. You know, and they, they, got a, they got a good life. They're good people. They're, they're good-hearted people. No, they're not. If, if we are listening to, to the advice of unsaved people, they're not good-hearted people. Because out of the abundance of the heart, Jesus said, The one application of that is 
What, what is in your mind is what you're going to do. And so if it's in your mind to violate the command of God, that's what you're going to do. And I'm going to tell you right now, I don't have time to listen to that kind of advice. So if I, if I have somebody that advises me against the Word of God and says, well, I'm going to tell you now, I'm going to tell you, brother, if it's a mistake, you know, mercy and grace of God. See, we're, we're talking about serious things here. So, so we fail to ask God to lead us. If we, if we don't have the proper motive in our decision-making process, we'll come to God with a made-up mind and we are literally asking God to approve of decisions that we've already made. You know, one of the first things I ask people, you know, when they come to me, well, I, I need to talk to you. You know, I, I'm, I'm facing this and, you know, I'm looking at that and I'm looking at the other. And, you know, first thing I, one of the first things I'm going to ask is, have you prayed about it? Have you talked to God about this before you come and talk to me? Have you talked to God about it? Because if you hadn't talked to God about it, it's not going to do you any good to talk to me. But there, there's a whole lot of people that will do to God what I have found that the vast majority of people do to me as a preacher or a pastor. When they come, you know, people come and want, want to talk to me. And, well, I just, I just don't know what to do, preacher. I just don't know what to do. And, I'm, you know, I'm facing this. And, you know, well, well what do you think? Well, I'm thinking this. And, you know, and, and I'm like, you know, your mind's already made up. So why are you coming to me? Or is it that you're trying to get me to put a stamp of approval on what you've already, whether you, whether you have, have, have admitted that the decision is made or whether you have made the decision subconsciously? But don't come to me with advice and a decision or for advice with a decision that is going to violate the Word of God because I'm going to tell you what the Word of God says. And I'm going to tell you that if you proceed with this, you are in direct violation of the command of God. And there will be a price to pay for that. There will be a penalty to pay for that. Oh, the trouble we would save ourselves if we just come to God in prayer and said, lead me according to your righteousness. Because enemies are watching. I need your guidance. I need your direction. I need the direction for my life that your righteousness dictates. And if, I can, if you can help me with that direction... That's the direction I'm going to go. So, again, sometimes in, in our decision-making process, you know, we, we'll pray so that we can say we prayed about it. When asked, we don't have to lie, but, but we come to God and our mind's already made up. I've already made the decision. And in essence, we are asking God to approve something that I have already determined that I'm going to do. And then sometimes we wonder why God is silent. Because God's not going to approve something that contradicts His Word. Ever. So if we, if we don't have the proper motive in our decision making process... Again, we'll come to God with a made-up mind. We're literally asking God to approve. The, those prayers can be a pathway to disaster. Anybody listening? 
When, when our prayer is wrong, when the motive behind our prayer is wrong, those prayers can be a pathway to disaster. Prayers for God's leadership needs to be prayed with pure hearts and motives because God tests both. God's not just looking at your heart. God's looking at your motive. What's your motive behind praying for this? What is the motive behind why you are asking for what you are asking? Why, why, what is the, the motive? What's the idea behind this? The prophet Jeremiah recorded the words of the Lord in Jeremiah 17 and, and 10. And, and the Lord said through Jeremiah, I, the Lord, search the heart. He searches. He's looking. He analyzes the heart. And I try the reins, even to give every man according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doings. So what God is saying through Jeremiah is that I'm the God that I test everything. I test your heart. I search your heart. I test your motive. I try the reins. And, and even, and the reason God says that He does this is to give to every man according to His way. His ways. According to what He is doing. According to the path that He takes. God said, I'm searching your heart. I'm trying your motives. And whatever direction that you take, when you make that decision, he said, then I try your heart and I test your motive in order to be able to give to every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his doing. Because here, here's, here's the thing again. As the heart goes, so goes the life. I pray God help me to not allow myself to, or, or to find myself in, in a situation of life that God says, I searched your heart and I tested your motive. And you took your direction. You took your way. And because you took your way, that I'm going, I, I am going to give to you according to, to the direction you took. According to the fruit of your doings. Now, let, let, me, let me say this. If I fail God, I can get forgiveness. But God may allow me to live with the fruit of my decision. I just soon not have to do that. I just soon, Brother Thomas, not, not to have this thing tagging around behind me, you know, and say, well, you know what? If I'd, if I'd have listened to the voice of God, if I'd have gone to God in prayer, you know, before I did anything, and I listened to the voice of God, and I listened to the voice of God through His Word, I wouldn't have this tagging around behind me everywhere I'd go. Well, did you repent? Yeah, I repented. And I got forgiveness. But I'm living with this consequence. And everywhere I go, this thing is dogging me. Everywhere I go, this thing is trying to drag me down. It, what is it? It's the fruit of a decision. It's the product of a wrong direction, of, of a wrong path in life. Amen. When if we had just gone to God in the honesty of our mind and, and, the, and the purity of our heart and said, God, I need you to lead me. Whatever path that you choose for me is the direction that I am going to go. Because the enemy's watching.
the enemy's observing. And I need the direction that your righteousness would have me go. The Lord searches the heart and He examines the mind. Is the, and the Lord is the only one who understands human nature. Human motives, intentions, and schemes. While a mystery to the most advanced techniques of modern science are open to God. See, even modern science does not understand everything that there is to understand about human nature. Even modern science, the most advanced techniques, don't understand human motives, nor human intentions, or even the schemes of the, of the human flesh. But all of these things that, you, that modern scientific techniques do not understand are wide open to God. And again, God said, I am the Lord and I'm the one that tests your heart. I'm the one that tries your motives. And I'm also the one that is going to give you according to the direction that you choose to go. Oh, how we need the prayer of David in our lives every day. God, lead me. Lead me according to your righteousness. There's a way that I need to go. And I, 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 need, I need to find your way, God. And, and, but if you'll lead me, if you'll guide me, if you'll, if you'll help me. I'm going to tell you something. That direction that God leads is not going to always be satisfying to your carnal appetites. But I'm going to tell you right now, it's going to save you from a world of hurt and a world of trouble that you may drag around the rest of your born days that you don't have to do it if you just ask God, lead me, Lord. Lead me. Lead me according to your righteousness. So, nothing is hidden from God and He rewards us according to what we have done. So we need, we need to ask God as David to lead us according to His, that is God's righteousness. That, that is, conduct me safely in the, ministry, in the manifestation of the principles of justice or righteousness which belong to your nature. David felt assured that his was a righteous cause and, and that he might make his appeal to God on the ground of the justness of that cause. And, and such a ground of appeal is always proper when we're in danger or where, when we're in trouble from the injustice of others. For we may always ask of God to interpose and to, and to cause that which is right to be done. So the king realized that God had a way, a path, or a road for him to travel through this crisis. This part of David's prayer is so needed in our day today. It's so needed. In our day. There is a way. God's way. That he will lead his people. Through in times. Of life's difficulties. The rational part of us. The, the common sense part. Wants to find the easiest. And the least costly way. Through the trouble. You know, sometimes we can be. We can be no better than the beast of the field that God created, which by nature usually takes the path of least resistance. And so even, even in our own selves, if, if we're, if we're the, the rational part of us wants to find the easiest and the least costly way through trouble, because we, we look at it and say, well, this just makes common sense. I'm going to tell you something. There's a time that common sense is not God's sense. 
And I believe in good old sanctified, Holy Ghost anointed common sense. But there's a time that common sense is not God's sense. Because God's way can lead you in a direction that is diametrically opposed to what we think to be common sense. Amen? Amen. It, it didn't make common sense. When, when God told Moses in, the, in Pharaoh's court to, to throw down your rod, and that rod became a serpent, that didn't make common sense. And then when He told Moses, you pick it up again. That, that don't make common sense, God. Well, I'm not looking at common sense here. I'm looking at changing hearts and lives. I'm looking to prove to a nation of people that I am bigger and I am stronger than their gods. So everything that God asks us to do is not going to make common sense. But God, I feel this way. God said, I don't, I don't let me just, you know, sometimes God can be brash. And there's times God will say, I'm not interested in your feelings. I'm interested in your obedience. Well, God, I feel like this is... I'm, I don't care about your feelings. I care about your obedience. Because Saul, obedience is always better. I had the occasion recently to tell a young preacher because I was asking some pretty hard questions. You're, you're going to find something out about God. I don't care about your anointing. I, I don't care how dynamically you can preach. In this context, I don't even care that people get the Holy Ghost when you preach. God will honor His Word, but that doesn't mean He's honoring you. God will honor His Word. No matter whom that Word comes from, God will always honor His Word. And God will honor His Word with people receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost, but not be honoring you. He, what He's doing, He's working in spite of you. Not because of you. And there's one thing that you need to understand. Greater than your anointing. Greater than your pulpit ability. God is looking for your obedience. Amen. I said, because here's what you need to understand. It only took Saul one time to disobey the command of the man of God until God rejects him. And tells him through the voice of Samuel, I have, I have taken the kingdom away from you and I have given it to a man who is better than you. Oh, now that's something to hear from God. I told him, all it took Saul was one time. I said, you better be careful. One time and Saul was out. One time. Is all that it took. So all of this foolishness that's going on in the world and even in the Christian world to, to where the things of God it is, it is just played upon and taken advantage of. And you know, and we, and we do, do, do whatever we want to do and we fall on the grace and the mercy of God. And, and, and we violate the, what's written in the Word of God under the guise that, you know, the grace and the mercy of God is there and, and all of that kind of stuff. I'm going to tell you something this evening. We might ought to be careful in the day that we're living. Because there are some things that God is still serious about. And that's His Word. And that's you going to Him in prayer and saying, God, I need you to lead me in the direction that your righteousness would take me. 
That, that's where I need to go. That's what I'm, 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 I'm doing. So, and so when we look and we find the easiest and the most costly, the least costly way through trouble. Listen, this is where we make serious mistakes. We make heart-wrenching mistakes. We make devastating mistakes. We make costly mistakes. When we try to take the easiest and the least costly way out of it because, you, because we're trying to appease, we're trying to satisfy the, 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 the desire of, of my flesh. and It's a costly thing. It's, it's a serious thing. You want God to speak to you? And you pick up that book and you start reading it. Because when you read the words that are printed in the pages of the Bible, that is God speaking directly to you. And if you read in there, in some place that God said not to do this, honey, you can bet your bottom dollar God means for you not to do it. He's telling you. He's telling you, don't. So, David needed God to make the way straight. That is to clear, to clear it of all obstacles. David wanted nothing to prevent him from seeing God's way clearly and following it. His, his obstacles... David's obstacles included his own desires, his emotions, and any ungodly counsel that he might receive from others. Listen to the words of David's own son in Proverbs chapter 3 and verse number 6. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall do what? He'll direct your way. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. And He will direct. So David closes this part of his prayer with an argument against his enemies. He uses four physical terms from parts of the body to describe their lying. Keep in mind, keep in mind now, David's praying this to God. He's talking to God about his, his enemies in the closing parts of that prayer. He says every word that proceeds from their mouths is a lie. Nothing they said was faithful, true, reliable, or trustworthy. David told God they're inwardly corrupt. Their lies proceeded from hearts that was full of deadly poison. David told God these lies traveled up their throats and into their mouths, their throat. According to David, talking to God is described as an open grave that is foul and allows the stench of decay and death into the air. David had one more thing to say. When this poison reached their mouths, their tongues twisted it into flattery. This was Absalom's method of gaining support and turning the people away from David. And this is what God is telling David, or, or David rather, is telling God. Look at them. Look at their lies. Look, look at, listen to what's coming out of their mouths. God, look at them inwardly. That look at what is, is coming from their throats into their Mouths. It's like a foul stench of death and decay that's being released into the air. And their tongues, God, are twisted into flattery. And so David closes this part of his prayer. That prayer that would pray for God's guidance. And that's a prayer we need to pray Every day of our lives, but especially, especially 
when we find ourselves facing the circumstances that will be similar to what David faced and major decisions of our lives. Because don't you ever think one moment of time that those around you are not observing how is he going to deal with this? How is she going to handle this? Are they people of God? Or will they stand in violation of the direct commands of God? And if you violate the command of God, the enemy is watching and the enemy knows. The enemy knows. And this could be the very incidents of my life that causes people to turn their heart against the God that I have served and the God that I have preached for all of these years. I have to always keep in mind, what does God say about this? What direction will God lead me in to to be able to deal with with this pressure, with this problem, with this major decision of life that I'm facing. God, God, I need you to lead me. I need you to lead me. David said in Psalm 23, He leadeth me. In what? Paths of what? For what reason? Because the enemy is watching. The enemy's watching. And God will lead me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Let me tell you something. God's not going to do anything, and he's not going to lead you any direction of life that's going to bring shame to his name. God is very protective about his name. So He leads me in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. God, lead us. God, lead us. Amen. Let's stand this evening. I want you to lift your hands all over this building.